Hello and welcome to the 173rd episode of The Sausage Factory, which is brought to you by Spong.com and hosted by me, Chris O'Regan. In this show, we interview video game developers and ask them how they better start making games, what the differences are and who inspires them. Split into two halves, shown this is focused on the developer themselves, and the second half we discuss the game they're here to promote, which in this case is Rockbosher's DX by Tikipod. Guggen. Hello. Who are, are you? you? And what do um, you do, sir? Ah, uh, me. Hello. Um, I make video games currently. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, should I talk about what I do at Tikipod? Mm. Absolutely. Um, so, um, my main background is art and animation. So okay. I'm, I kind of do all that stuff. Um, but I've got other people who help out do different things, like a, a chap called David Hankin, who's a fantastic 2D artist. He's been doing all our box art covers for our games, um, which is all the kind of promotional art you see as the game icon, say, like on the PSN store, as well as all the um, banner art and that sort of stuff that goes in the, the Steam store and the, and the PSN store and Xbox and so on. Um, but I kind of manage the company stuff mm. as well, so I do all the all the all the fun stuff on all the various sites of pushing through you know products into tests and so on, and dealing with all that. And then I sort of liaise with different programmers because we have different programmers working on all the different games we worked on. Because the whole thing is it's not a traditional um, company where everyone says right, we're going to go and get a, a room and we're going to go and hire this space and um, spend lots of money. Um, committing ourselves to certain things. Instead, it's it's very much more sort of ad hoc. If we've got a project, we might do it on top of contract work, or we might you know set aside so many months to just get our heads down and get on with the project. Um, what, what I'm about to say sounds a bit um, business-like, mm. but uh, that's very good risk management, isn't it? I mean, you you keep the you know the consequences of um, projects or new projects. And you know the, the the commitment or the the amount of resources you put into that mm. uh, at a minimum. You know, the, the definitely. Just, and um, it sounds I, sorry, it sounds sort of dry and business like everyone say this, but it's the only way to describe it. It is cautious is the word because uh, mm. I remember years ago, um, probably around I don't know two thousand two thousand one two thousand two, um, or even even before that I think in Edge magazine I used to always see. You get these wonderful articles about here's a really cool team. They've come from Rare, they come from somewhere else. They got a really good engine. They want to do a, a big 3D thing, and look, they got themselves an office. It's all going to be wonderful, and everything looks wonderful. But then a few months later down the road, you'll hear, oh well, it didn't really work out because you know either they ran out of money or yeah. there's a trouble. So because our own development is hard, I and mean, when the bigger the project, the more the risks and mm. so on and so forth. So I think the most famous one from my era was Iron Storm, wasn't it? There was that was a big gun. It's probably two thousand. I mean, it's a long time ago. But that was a, a developer born out of id, and they were going to take over the world of SPSs and all sorts mm-hmm. of things. And uh, you know, they they spent an extraordinary amount of money building this extraordinary office and showing various people of the media around and saying, "Look at us, we're aren't we the greatest." And then within two years, I think they actually imploded. Yeah, yeah, it's tricky. So we we kind of gone very much the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I said, there's a different programmer for each AquaKitty. There's um, Iron Cryptical, uh, which we've released last sort of summer. And um, sorry, AquaKitty, Rockbushes, Iron Cryptical, the main sort of three things. Yeah. Um, and we've gone, yeah, very very much sort of small things upwards. Even AquaKitty itself, which is the first sort of thing I went on as being a, not not me, but us, us project that's, an, you know, a, not a, a, a funded 
other publisher kind of project. Um, that, that, that makes sense. And that started off on PS. Well, it started off on 360, and then a PS Mobile deal came up to be a launch title for that. So we then got it on PS Mobile, which is um, on mobiles plus Vita, um, which is quite a difficult thing to work within the sort of the boundaries of what the system did. Mm. Um, but then that slowly, we, we then had an opportunity to do a Steam version and and PlayStation version. After that, we actually got a bit of money from GOG and the sort of thing. Yeah, it sort of snowballed upwards, which yeah. is a very, very, very cautious, very safe. But that's the way I wanted to take it because I didn't want to invest a load of money and go, let's go indie and spend loads of money and get a loan. Cause that's just, um, yeah, a bit scary for me. So. I like that. It's just like, why expose yourself to risk like this? What do you mean? Well, you know, we can, I can do things. That I, know, I'm, I have these skills. I have these abilities. I have no people who have other skills and abilities that mm. I need for, to, to execute this. Let's work together cautiously, you know, still keep our day jobs or what have you, or indeed get external contracts or yeah. need people to do their freelance work to do, you know, um, uh, whatever they need to do to you know put food on the table and uh, you hear of stories of the freelancers spending three months um doing um textures for pots that are going to be smashed by people in mm. um you know in assassin's creed for example yeah um you know as beautiful as that game is you can just imagine like all oh, the poor i mean I, I'm, i've met so many developers over the years when i'm playing that as, as beautiful and it really is you go yeah. oh god I just that someone probably spent a good month, a month doing that table. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That I just smashed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I just think I, maybe I I don't know. I mean, I'm sure the person who did it goes smash away, go for it. I, I decided to do that, <laughs> but it's still you know I just feel a bit of a it is, and it's an extraordinary industry the how it scales. Yeah. So so incredibly now, ever since 2007 when the Microsoft went. Maybe we could put some little indie games on the 360 because it's got a hard drive and everything. All right then, <laughs> and poof, off it all went. And of course, Apple as well and its iPhone. Yeah, yeah, and didn't help either. Believe it or not, that is indeed 11 years now. 11 years ago when that all kicked off, Goodness feels gracious. like yesterday. But my friend, yeah, I have to remind myself that, like you know. I was watching something from the 90s, and I said, this is only 10 years. No, it's not. No, no, there's grown adults walking around now that are born then. Oh, yeah. That's what we call them. What do we call them? Oh, that's right. Millennials. <laughs> yeah, yes. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a fascinating um, place. And I, I, I can only applaud you because obviously it's very successful because, you, like you, I read Edge as well and mm. read about these developers, and they sort of proudly boast that he got 20 projects on the go and there's certainly, as you know, you know throw stuff, enough stuff on the wall, it will stick. And sadly, the bank manager didn't think the same. <laughs> and um, they imploded. So, no, fair play to you. And you've really, really carved a niche. That sounds patronising, but you've carved a, a corner in the, in the industry because um, I know very few people do not know of your titles. Really? Yeah. That's good to know. So it's something, you know, when I was telling people I was going to interview, they were really excited. Oh, that game's good. That's a cool career, isn't it? That's like... That's like a palate cleanser. It's true. I've had people call it that. Um, I think it's a bit of a, you know, it's a bit of a, it's not to say that because when you're blasting away through some epic AAA title or something, you go, you know what, let's, let's play with Queen Victoria for a bit on Mars. Yeah, it's a good idea. Let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, how did you make your start making video games? Ooh. Um, yeah. 
Okay, so quick sort of background to it, I suppose. Um, as a kid, I was lucky we had an Atari 2600 for a bit. I knew it with combat, and that kind of got me into playing games, mm. playing with brothers and sisters, um, tank versus tank, tank pong, that kind of stuff. Could never believe how you could fire the gun and then curve the ball. The, 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 the yeah, that you could give it after a touch, couldn't you? Yeah, some of the that was modes. weird. Yeah, that, some of the modes. That, that, that was the mode my, my brother and I would favour. But, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was good. Um, and then years later, I got into I got into a specky a bit late because my friends had speckies, mm. and um, eventually got a plus two, and that was pretty cool. And they had, I remember at one time having a somebody had a a game making game thing, and I remember fiddling with that for mm. about five minutes and <laughs> not working very well, and thinking, right, that's a lot of junk. Back to playing games. Yeah. Um, but then on Amiga, um, Amiga five hundred. Right. Um, I remember getting shoot 'em up construction kit. Oh, that sensible was, did I, that, didn't they? Yeah, I know it wasn't as good as the Commodore one. Remember the Commodore sixty four version? Mm. I was read about was apparently much much better. Mm. Um, but I like the Amiga one, and I got into a bad habit though of making things and never finishing them. Right, like planning and designing stuff, um, and jumping forward to rock bosses. Rock bosses was the first. Well, I think it's the second thing I actually sit down, sat down and made sure I finished because. Um, it's a, it's a common thing on this show. We talk about this, and I don't want to rehash old things. Everyone, take a drink. Why not, everyone? But uh, the hardest part of game design and game complete game creation is the last ten percent. Yes, and it's not. It's, it's, I mean, it's, a, it's a cliche because it's true. That's why cliches are cliches because they're true. Yeah, you know, that's why they exist. So yes, it's that last, and the, the last ten percent can be something as really benign as the menus. <laughs> Yes, yes, everyone likes to leave that till the end. Yeah, it's it's like, true. It's like, um, can't they just type in a... No, they can't. But no, come on. It's not fair. They can't get them to compile the code and then run it. But but no. no. <laughs> <laughs> Which I know you've been doing for most of the development. Like, you just, compo- you know, you ran it, then compiled it, and then, then off it went, right? So that was yep. so hard. Don't, you can't, that's not... <laughs> That's done. That's <laughs> done. <laughs> so yeah, so that's so you made, you, but at least you you started. Yeah, you know. I mean, the shoot construction kit I found was really fun for getting a sketchbook, planning out loads of levels, right, and then implementing one or two and finding it quite painful because it's a very difficult tool to use. That you couldn't really map out levels very well. You couldn't like plan out a whole level and easily scroll back and forwards. It's quite sort of clunky in some ways, and you couldn't import artwork. Which I found a real pain because I loved using D-Paint. Um, you could import WAV. I loved doing that. I liked getting sound samples and mixing them up. I can't remember the software now, but I had like a sampler, so I could record things, sample it off tape, and then sort of mash it up and make some cool sounds. Mm. But um, but yeah, you couldn't import artwork, which, and you couldn't export artwork, which meant everything you drew in Shoot Construction Kit was stuck in there. Um, so that's a bit of a hindrance. That, that sort of turned me off after a while using it. I think trickiest part the reason why game development is difficult one of the reasons is that because the people making it and i'm going to make a sweeping statement here and you can go christian can't say that but the people making games are typically quite imaginative and dynamic sort of imaginative people people got things far off and all cylinders in their brain but unfortunately there are some aspects of game development that are how can i put it mundane and, Mm. and tedious and repetitive really repetitive which goes against 
a lot of what you what you want to what your other creative side of your brain's doing. Like this is tedious, this is boring. I know, I know. Just put Radio Six on or something and just tune out and just get this done. Otherwise, you'll never get it done. Yeah, and, totally. Um, and that's what I do when I'm doing tedious sort of work. I and just put on the radio or listen to some some chip tunes or something and just get through it i mean the, the closest i can do, i can sort of equate it to is when i'm designing sort of dungeons for dungeons and dragons or any other rpg i'm playing mm. and um i'm like I'm, I'm reading through books and i put the radio on or something so i can you know i'm not that it's it's just something it can or, or when i'm painting figures or something like that it's just you know i'm not actually focusing on what i'm doing i'm actually just sort of getting through it to yeah. as a means to an end because you know doing lots of frames of animations for all those different um, sprites and what have you is very very tedious yeah and you just think kind of just press a button no yeah I, mean, I, I sometimes try and work out ways of trying to break it into you know break it into modules of getting a certain part done, another part done so you're not seeing the whole thing as a job lot which is the the oppressing thing if you mm. think oh God, i've got to do all this but if you go right i'm gonna do that a little bit here do something else come back to it do something else come back to it yeah jiggle it around yeah. keep it all fresh and that way you can kind of chip through and realize that, oh i'm actually i'm halfway through now brilliant yeah and the, the tricky also thing is the mental state is like never think about what you've got to do just, just focus on what you're doing <laughs> never mm, look yeah. when you're painting a wall and go oh god don't look too far back. Yeah. yeah, don't look ahead. Just look what you're doing. Don't look, don't, don't. <laughs> Just focus on what you're doing. It'll get done way quicker. Trust me. It'll actually take the same amount of time, but you'll be less depressed. Exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, yeah, yeah. so you moved on, obviously you moved on from Mega and the Supermarket Consulting Kit. Did you yeah. use Amos and stuff like that? No. Um, a friend had... Um, I can't remember the name, but no, there's, there's a 3D thing on... I think he had Amos, and I think he had a 3D construction kit thingamajig on Amiga, um, which we, again, had some really cool ideas for them. We tried using it. It's like, oh, the frame rates are really bad. Mm. Um, so we kind of gave up with that. Um, and I think... I'm trying to think. I, I did stuff on D-Paint. I used to do animations with that, do, like, um, color cycling animations to do um, little simple animations. You could... A bit like doing line drawing stuff before it had all the different frame animations this is like the old original deep paint mm. color cycling can be done to do some little clever tricks where you have little mm. loops as long as you didn't paint over the same area I see um, and then also like doing um, there's a funny trick I think deep paint 4 had where you could take sprites or you know images you've, you've made you could then do 3D rotations on them so I started trying to make animations by doing 3D um, yeah so the fun thing was actually finding use for trigonometry because so I did trigonometry for A level I think it was A level maths um, and always thinking, well, what's the point of this? What's the point of trig? And then finally, I had a, a way of using it. I could actually make all these little kind of weird um, triangular spaceships and things, do little kind of flybys of spaceships by doing a transform for the top, transform for the side, then doing a little motion path. Yep. Um, that was quite fun, um, but it wasn't a game. It was just kind of animation stuff. Just but it's all skills that you... The, the, the humble A500, and I'm going to use the word humble, because I, I I had five hundred, but then I mean, and then I very quickly got a twelve hundred, which I was happy with. They were awesome, um, and I still have it, but it's not what it used to be. We'll come to that later. Uh, <laughs> um, I put it in the tower, and then it runs Quake at thirty frames per second. That's not an Amiga, That's not an Amiga anymore. Um, but um, it changed it too much. Yeah, it changes too much. It runs Amiga games to a point, but then eventually goes. What's this nonsense? Um, 
But it's you learning all these skills, and you, you, that's that, that's what you're getting out from it. And it's interesting you're talking about how maths, you know, that's, that's, that's just useless. And you go, you know, why do they teach algebra? You and I know why they teach algebra. You know, it's about we use algebra all the time. We just don't use those. Yeah, you know, it'd be interesting looking back if they could have explained some real world purposes. For it. I mean, we were quite happy. I think at the school at the time was getting on with it because you get given tasks, and the the challenge at the time in the classes you've got to learn the thing, get on with it. But I think it'd be quite cool. Yeah. Um, to have some kind of notion of like, hey, you can use it doing this, that, and the other. Yeah. So or that you just sort of you challenge people like, oh, this looks like uh, 2a equals 3, you know. And, but if I put this in another context, in another sentence, you've actually just done it. <laughs> but you didn't realise it. But you, because we put these really weird abstract terms, and this is very basic algebra, like, you're, you're, you're actually doing it all the time. And uh, there's a common sort of teaching method now that people do use that. But back then when we, we were kids, teaching wasn't what it is now. Mm. So, so it's an extraordinary skill now, whereas back when we were, we were suffering it, it was somewhat different. Anyway. Very dry, yeah. yeah. So you then moved on, obviously, from the Amiga and, and that sort of thing. Um, yeah, got into Lightwave on the Amiga, mm. still actually still on the Amiga, on the 1200, used Lightwave, and that got me into my first job. Mm. Um, well, actually, I did that at uni, the Lightwave right. stuff. Okay. Because um, another chap was showing me, he, he had a very souped-up super-duper, like an 060. Yeah. Um, super-duper, and I had a, a, quite a, a weedy one. But... Um, I managed to get hold enough money to scrape together to get a floating point unit mm. for Lightwave with a 1200 of the little accelerator card in. And I mm. did um, my final year animation at uni was done with um, Lightwave and Photoshop mixed together. Nice. Which was quite lucky. Um, what was that TV show? That was Girl, Battle, uh, Battle Battle on five. five. Yeah, Battle yeah, five. yeah, that was out around the same time. Yeah. Um, I watched that at, at uh, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Of course. So that's uh, how you 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 get onto animation, kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. So I got into animation because I loved. I was my my main thing was I loved doing art. Like at A levels, I was doing physics, maths, and art, which is a bit of a funny mix. But I really liked doing the art, and the other two were fun. But art was my main thing. Um, and then I went to a foundation art college afterwards, thinking, well, I don't really know what I want to do, but I like doing art, so let's carry on with that. And then I was lucky there to get into doing animation on the course. They had some department that had small cameras kicking around so I went and did like claymation stuff and then I got into doing Lightwave at uni um, and then at the end of uni I was thinking what am I going to do? Do I want to go and work at an animation place sort of doing all the donkey work for years which is what I, I perceived would be that what would happen um, or I thought well I'm video games maybe video games need animators need um, cutscenes FMV stuff was quite big at the end of the 90s so I then managed to get a job doing some edutainment um, which is like fun school stuff for a company in Derby, and they were using Lightwave, and they needed at first they were they were doing stuff which they needed um, Lightwave to render, you know, all the sort of cutscene stuff because um, it's all everything's on CD and everything had to be 3D, although it wasn't 3D real time 3D, it was pre-rendered stuff, um, and all their um, all the artwork was done with pre-rendered 3D as well. So that's my first yeah my first job I landed. It is quite extraordinary how. 3D rendering and 3D art has changed over the last 10 years. I've noticed, I was, I was watching some Star Trek show, of, and like, and you just look at the animation and go, oh, God, <laughs> was this great then? Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, Battle of Fives <laughs> on at the moment on one of the, I think it's on, um, I can't remember what channel it is, it's some channel, rather, they're playing nearly every day, and it's interesting watching the all the CG stuff when they cut to the CG. It's like, wow, it's almost like half the resolution of the film stuff. It's really, really, <laughs> It's really like, 
Oh, I'm not convinced. And like, back in the day, it was like amazing. But now, yeah. we we expect way. We, I, I thank things like you know Jurassic Park for that mess. Mm. For for the kind of visual splendor, or indeed the new Star Trek Star Trek Discovery, which I'm actually enjoying despite mm, itself. I like um, it. I like it. I think the writers watch way too much or read way too much Expanse. Not that there's anything wrong with that either. Um, I like the Expanse. It's I like the Expanse. I love I love the fact that both shows do kick along pretty fast. They and, do. Uh, oh, and so I think uh, about the old Babylon, not Babylon, the old Galactica remake. Oh, yeah, uh, I liked that at the time, but then thinking about, they did have a lot of filler episodes where they're kind of like just saying, put somebody in a room and going, right, we're going to drag this out and save the money for the next episode, <laughs> and um, then then the, then the third season hit, and then we went, yeah, okay, we're done now. <laughs> yeah, we're just going to eat ourselves. Excellent, excellent. Okay, so obviously you, you then entered into that realm. So I think, and now we more or less bring you up to to where we are now. I mean, you obviously did lots of animation, or have continued to do that since you graduated. And yeah, and I kind you, of went. Yeah. from I went from doing animation. The animation then actually went downhill in terms of what I did because I started doing more. Um, so I started off doing animation and art, and then I sort of drifted more into doing lead art roles, mm-hmm. which I then meant more managing. I do less and less animation because it ended up being a point where you know, as, as games changed, you needed dedicated animators. It wasn't quite so easy to dip in and do it with animation. On a on a job as such, hmm. you know, especially when you get into three D characters and things and games, you, you need somebody on it full time. You can't just come and do a bit of a, you know, an arm wiggle and then dip out again. It yeah. doesn't really work like that. So yeah, so over the years, I've, I've sort of done less and less of that. But I still do um, on the on the more recent games, the two D stuff again. It's, it's a lot easier just to do it all yourself because it's just such a, um, it's a lot less artwork yeah. to do with, and um, rather than doing three D, it's it's much simpler. Um, you know, I've got things to rig. No meshes to rig and so on. Mm. Oh, I mean, there are some some programs. I understand that you for animation there. You may go, Chris, that doesn't know it work. But it's, I understand it as a relatively educated layman is that you can predict a movement or take one point and then put it another, and then then it will the computer will actually animate that two sequences, three or four, maybe five or six or whatever a number it is to get from that one space to another based on predefined macros. For whatever better phrase, is that right? I mean, they, they, uh, I don't know. Yeah, um, is that like spliny thinking of? That's yeah, right. yeah, yeah. So basically, you have one position to the other, and you tell it that this is a this is a um, a, a bipedal being, mm. and then it produce, then it proceeds to animate the bipedal being. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm guessing. I don't know. I haven't used it. I'm assuming it works pretty much like how you do it in 3D. You have different kind of curves. You have bezier curves, and you can mm. you can change the curve to be like fade in or fade out. So you know, accelerate in or accelerate out. You can then yeah. do a lot by doing you know, rather than it all being every single frame you're manipulating, you're kind of just doing the keyframes, and then that's let, what let the curves yeah. Yeah. yeah, the curves handle the rest. Yeah, which is very much like 3D software does it. Just you're doing it all in one plane. Yeah. But uh, it's kind of, it almost takes the magic out. But you know, it's it's it, it is what it time. is. It saves <laughs> a, lot, a lot of time and effort. So this next question is a bit nebulous, and I apologise mm-hmm. for that. And uh, I, I I was going to take it out years ago, but I decided no because I've got some good answers over the years for it. So here it is. Okay. Um, what are your biggest influences as a creator? Uh, oh my god. <laughs> um. Wow, okay. Um uh, that's hard to say. Uh there's so much I think so much um and so many things. 
it's hard to put a nail on it but it's not just i get influence and the obvious things are hey movies um books um i guess certain toys from my childhood like zoids were a big thing for me they were great weren't they fantastic they were great Uh, no one talks about them I am. Yeah. <laughs> and the race. Um, I thought some of those, the design, the design work on those things was amazing, especially I, I grew up in the countryside okay. as a kiddo, and seeing those sort of weird futuristic machines in miniature form was just like, wow, this is mind-blowing stuff. Mm. They were great. Um, PC Engine was a big thing um, that I really wanted to have and thought that was a fantastic, again, looking machine. Um, um, Amiga games. There's a lot of good stuff in the Amiga which influenced me. Specky games... Um, like Robocop, Rainbow Islands, New Zealand Story, um, even Stunt Car Race. There's a lot of stuff on on Specky that, again, it was, it's on, on it's on Amiga as well. I moved on to that, but a lot of those games were pretty awesome. Um, and kind of the late '80s era arcade machines, which again were things like Rainbow Islands, um, Pac Mania, Rampage, R Type is a big one. R Type, yeah. Came across that. Like I, I remember when I got my Wii. And one of mm. the first games I bought on the Wii, outside sports, because it came with sports anyway, yeah. was R-Type. Yeah, it had the PC engine PC- version, isn't it? Yeah, it's the PC Engine version of R-Type. And had, here you go. What? Just, yeah, you can have that. I lost my shit. I went, what? It's great. It's a really good version. <laughs> it's it's kind of weird because it has the scrolling to try and fit the whole um, yeah. playing field in, which is unusual, but it, it, doesn't, it doesn't ruin the game at all. No, no. So that's an excellent response. There's basically everything, everything that's been you've been exposed to. Over, yeah, uh, and it's not just game stuff. It's like um, I said, living up in the countryside, being able to hang out with chickens and dogs and ducks and stuff, and yeah. and hanging out outdoors. I think I, I, that was a, a good thing. I think for me, because if I'd just been playing computer games all my life, you you don't have much to feed in apart from yeah. computer games. You, return, you know, if you do that same without anything, if you just watch movies and then make movies, you're regurgitating movies essentially. But if you've got other media. Or other things. Yes. Everything you do, everything feeds in, really. So, thinking about it, there are creatures in your games, aren't there? Lots creatures. Of, lots of meat monsters and beasties and little bugs and creatures and stuff. Yeah. It's probably yeah. There's probably a subconscious thing going on there, Definitely. or maybe a conscious thing. Like yeah, you know, nature and creatures and and things. Yeah, I think it, mostly subconscious because a lot of the stuff mm. I kind of just churn out without um, thinking too hard. But yeah, well now you say you brought up in a countryside surrounded by, you know, nature. Uh, yeah, you're going to probably be influenced by that. I mean, that's how Zelda came about, wasn't it? I mean, that's Was how, it? Yeah, yeah. He basically, you know, um, Shigeru Miyamoto, he just said, you know, let's just, uh, let's just go out in the wilds and just go out and just, just replicating that when he was a child running around the forest just uh, in Japan. Oh. just uh, And that's how Zelda came to be. It was just him replicating his... Uh, Fantastic. His, his, yeah, his adventures in, in forests and, and, and in the garden and stuff. And when you play the first one, you go, yeah, you know, of course you go into a hut and get, get given a sword and say, here, mm-hmm. take this. Um, but, uh, yeah, fascinating stuff. But no... So that's it's a wonderful response. I've had various responses, and they've all been very, very good. Of course, they have. Some vary from some very specific author to what mm. you say, um, medium, and the world around you. And like I said, it's a very nebulous question. And but uh, no, no developer said that's terrible. I'm not going to answer that. Or it's just like, well, they really thought about it this way, and it, they find it cathartic to to talk about it like objectively, like. This, this, why, why do I? What drives me? Why am I doing this? Oh, right, that's why. That's why. 
Yeah, because I'm, 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 I'm sure we, we oh, I'm trying to think back, I'm sure, I think it was at uni when it was the first time people were challenging us, the lecturers were challenging us to think, you know, where do you come, what, 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 all the things you're developing, where do they come from? And, you know, they're obviously feeding back and saying, well, everything, everything feeds in. Yeah, um, yeah. Because some people go, no, no, it's all my, my, it's me, it's me, it's my idea, or, you know, that some people have this attitude of, it's the kind of thing that's in them that's what's being made but ultimately it's, no it's everything it's, it's that event that happened when you were five when you got knocked over by a bicycle or yeah you know whatever um, yeah that, that you might not that, remember it but it's, it's there and that one terrible session of skeletrics you had with your older brother that's mm. where that racing sort of that thing where that, how that track design came about because you remember that chicane that you never got through yeah yeah well, you yeah, do yeah. now because he's not here now so I'm sharing too much yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that problem solved that problem from years ago the thing you didn't like it's yeah it's, yeah, it's now. now fixed it's fixed solved. what developer do you most admire in the industry and why oh blimey um or indeed who um could be who or what uh stumped me that one <laughs> I mean, um yeah, I don't know really. I think I think it's amazing. It's a bit of a naff answer, but I think it's incredible that people can make games. Anybody who makes games. Um, That's a wonderful can... answer. That's the most magnanimous, beautiful answer I've ever had. I'm not <laughs> saying that because for any art or books, it's, 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 if anyone can, anyone can finish things, and right. even people who can't finish things are still great. It's making stuff. You don't have to finish stuff at all. Mm. Um, if you have fun half making things, then good on you. Um, mm. But um, yeah, no, I, I don't really have. I don't. I don't have any heroes, as it were. Um, of wow, aren't they great? And um, uh, yeah, no, not really. Um, Excellent. No, that's your answer was beautiful. Just to say, have you made something? Has it been you know made and people can buy it and play it? Even if they can't buy it, they can just play it anyway. Because yeah. one of my favourite parts of of Resd and 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 stuff is the left field collection. It's just and yeah. there's been times that I've walked in there and it's like. You know, and it's a game, and they just oh, what's this about? Oh, it's the thing. Well, were you going to sell it? No, no, it's just I made it. Making games for the sake of making them. Yeah, well, that's kind nice. of how Rockbusters got made was through Tixels, because I, years and years and years ago, I was kind of, I'd done like a, a FIFA game back in 2002, and then I was doing some sort of trashy port stuff at another company mm. um, years after that, and I gave it sort of disgruntled with the whole thing thinking it was a bit of a it's a bit of a factory really isn't it you come through you get this game and you churn it out and you make it better than shit in inverted commons good I swore um, so I did earlier so don't worry you're good uh, um, <laughs> and that has it all got a bit depressing because you're thinking because I, I used to be when I started off in the industry I used to have lots of ideas like oh, I really want to make this that and the other in the back of my head and, but I didn't really know how to make it and whenever you try to make things and you don't really know how to make it you kind of go oh it's actually really hard so I haven't really if I don't solve the problem, then I'm just thinking, well, it can't be done, and it kind of gets you, um, I get, I guess, frustrated, and it slows down your ambition. Um, but then, um, a chap called um, Alex May, who I was working with at Kuju, um, he went on to do Euphoria with uh, Rudolf Kremers. I love that game. And Alex yeah. put me onto um, in the direction of Tixsource to go and look at Tixsource, and um, also um, retro um, Rob Fearon's retro um, remakes competitions. He was doing like four color shooters and stuff. Mm. And I came across that stuff, and I was thinking, "Wow, this is really fun again. This is a really good. This is what game development is. This is making cool, wacky stuff, not 
you know, making three types of fences for a game or I say three, like more like thirty, you know, thirty types of wooden fence or forty types of tree bush and that kind of stuff, mm. which is very, very dull. Um, so yeah, so getting into the Tigsaw stuff, that was really fun. Just making games that weren't going to be sold. They were very quick. You got to do like a month to do it in a competition or so, or, or a couple of weeks. And um, and back then it was quite fun because it wasn't really a big thing like Ludnum Lud- 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 Dare. Yeah, Ludnum Dare. Yeah, it's a strange word. I've always yeah. a challenge. What's that mean? No one sort of gives me a proper answer, so I just lost all Because that's, yeah. that's pretty huge now, but back when yeah. Tigsaw started doing it, it was quite fun because it was a very sort of tiny crowd of people who were very um, supportive of each other on the Tig forums. Um, and that was really fun. Yeah. Okay. Um, so the last question now, first half. Well done. See, you made it. Yeah, almost, almost through. Yeah, well done. This, 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 this might, I'm legally required to ask this question because there's a podcast about video games, therefore we have to ask it. The question is, what are you playing right now? Nothing. I'm talking to you. <laughs> um, I've been playing – actually, I've been watching my daughter play Journey. Wow. How old uh, is she then, may I? Uh, she be six. Uh, that's just about right. Yeah, she's tried no it last year. No offence to your, your, your daughter. I'm oh. sure she's very bright and stuff, but it's a tricky one. A well, tricky no, one. she found it very scary at first. Just the first, um, mm. about a year ago, she had a quick look at it. Just the first go at the top of the hill. She's like, yeah. whoa, no, that's scary. Done like that. Yeah. Off. Um, yeah. She also likes ho- Hokum a lot. Oh, right. Yes. yes. She loves just sneaking around on that. That's pretty good. Mm. Um, but myself, the last thing I sort of recently played that was big was the Wolfenstein from last sort of November. Did you? Oh, you played Wolfenstein 2 then, yeah? Uh, yeah. Didn't really like it, to be honest. I thought the gun, the gunplay was. Oh dear, I wasn't really liking it at all. I thought the standard difficulty was horrific, mm. and I didn't wouldn't enjoy it at all. But I liked the story. The story was fun, yeah. I oh, think. Yes, so I, I stuck it on easy and just ploughed through it. Pretty <laughs> <laughs> what I should have done. Um, I, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I just I felt it kind of bit repetitive after a while. Mm. Um, and the things that really great with me are the bits where you go in the submarine and you have to go off and find somebody and you have to kind of learn the, the layout of the submarine mm. and that yeah. stuff. I just found, like, I'm lost now and I'm bored jogging around yeah. working around. I remember one point where I had to find, like, you've got to feed the pig. Oh God. Mm. I got obsessed about feeding this pig because I love animals, you see. And it's like, no, no, I don't do any quests. No more Germans. I need to help the pig. <laughs> so I'm running around trying to find a bloody thing to give it in the end i went to a fact because i got bored i got annoyed yes i did that a few times yeah it's just like oh damn it. I just, I just, what's really horrible is that i just got the phone out and did it it makes it even more lazy you know rather than shutting the thing down like no i'm going to use my phone while still playing it <laughs> okay fine you know yeah, what the just, olden days it'd been ring up a phone line wouldn't it it would have been yeah. so there's still some sim- um, but it didn't cost me any money yes well, it did uh, well, uh, oh um yeah. devil daggers is another one i like dipping into that now and again yeah, the second developer has told me to play that. Yeah, I it's, got it's, it. I'm, yeah, it's it's an odd one because it's when you when you play it enough, you realise there's there's a certain point where you can never get beyond because <clears throat> like an infinite thing. But in short bursts, it's quite fun. Just I think it's like a cathartic hmm. um, death spree, killing spree, brother. Had one of those days where the coding just, the game was wasn't going to work, so it's just like okay, right, let's just shoot some demons and mm. then I'll get back it's, to it. It's great. It's, 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 sound design's fantastic and it's, and the mm. art's wonderful. It's, it's a really nice slice of atmosphere. Mm. Um, but not much depth beyond, um, but it don't have to be, all, all have to be, you know, mm. European advances, do they? 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh God! Or Stellaris, if you will, if you like, or any other massive um, what do they call them? Epic strategy, grand strategy games. That's what they mm. call them. Now. Um, they used to be four X, and now they're called grand strategy for good reason. Um, but yes, uh, I'll need to give it a try. Link, the second person has recommended it to me. Good. Well, that's the end of the first half. Well done. We now delve deep into Rockbosch's DX. So the first question isn't a question. Regular listeners will know what I'm about to say. It's a zeroth question. That's right. An Asimov reference. And I'm going to ask you, Dugan. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us what is Rock Bosses? Okay. Uh, even after all this time, I still find it very hard to describe, but I should try. It's, um, it's a twin stick um, kind of adventure on Mars with a young Queen Victoria who has um, traveled there incognito. Um, for a bit of an adventure because she's a bit bored back home but then on arriving she and all her other passengers get locked up and um, yeah you have to kind of puzzle and shoot your way through various levels to escape it is an odd story and mm. the hat there's a hat yes she is wearing a very very fetching top hat it's a very nice hat very shiny and um, the graphics on it and that's quite quite jarring initially they look like spectrum i think you still maintain a color clash i think you do um no um we we, it's difficult to do isn't it to emulate yeah we didn't we didn't bother emulating that Um, yeah it but a lot of people have said what you said they think it is emulating it and a lot of people think even the sound effects are quite authentic but actually the sound effects are quite no 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 no. (laughs) not not, not even a plus scoop who could do those sound effects? No, no, no. Let's let's not get carried away. I mean, the thing is, the the, the sprites. Oh, yeah, there you go. Sprites and Spectrum didn't have any, but the little characters. I mean, are very small. Yeah. But they, they seem they seem to only be consist of two colours: the background and their foreground. Yeah. And that's what people think. Oh, it's colour clear. No, no, no. No. Um, made most majority of the backgrounds are black. Yeah. And so you have like two colour character in that way. Yeah, uh, you kind of avoid it looking too nasty. I mean, it does look a little bit like Laser Squad, which is I like to think a bit of a compliment. Yeah, yeah. Um, it might have been inspired by that glorious game that we now know as XCOM. <laughs> but um, it's uh, it's 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 it looks. I mean, it's very similar to the the. Um, pixelate the pixel art games that we now know where we we see games and go oh that looks like a NES game or it looks like a SNES game or something mm. like that or and you you and I know that no Mega Drive or SNES could possibly run those games it would bring it to its knees yeah yeah absolutely it was just like no it'd be a flickering mess and it would bring it to its knees because the animation the sprites the sound effects the everything would just the colours. A huge range of colours, like, yeah, no, no, not a chance. 
Not another chance, and uh, and rightly so. So, it's it's it, it is quite interesting that you created this visual style, which is your forte, but you've taken inspiration from it. I'm going to come on to that now because you said it's a twin stick shooter. Yeah, that looks like a Spectrum game, or maybe an Amstrad game, or a MSX game, what have you. One of those eight bits, not the C64 though, but it looks like one of those. So. And for me, you almost put constraints on this on yourself because of that. Yeah, I mean, originally the original version was done using Game Maker um, for a Tixels competition, and I challenged myself. This is the, after we did one other game beforehand called Laser Bunny with another mm. friend, who's the programmer for Aqua Kitty. Mm-hmm. Um, so with him, I did this game and we finished it, and it's quite fun, like a little kind of maze game. With a laser bunny, a bunny that shoots lasers, and you got to shoot your way out as the water fills up. Mm-hmm. And then after that, he was busy doing his work, and um, I wanted to learn Game Maker. I thought, right, this is a good way to learn Game Maker. Hang on, I'm talking about the right thing. Yeah, Game Maker, Game Maker Seven, I think it was. Okay. Um, and it's up to um, two point zero now. It's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's changed a lot. Yeah. So I started learning that, and it, it was a good way to get me to learn it. Was to sit down and. Um, Say right, I'm going to enter this competition, and I didn't get you know hardly anything done in time for the competition to be finished. I think I had like a room working, roughly, mm. but I carried on with it for the next four months, and I managed to get the whole thing done. Mm. And part of the reason for going for Specky because it was a demake competition. Ah, my idea was to demake um, what was it called, Red Faction, and put in lots of rocks. So the rocks being smashed was meant to be like the whole I can't remember the name they used to use for it. You know the whole. Um, they had a funky word for it at the time for red factions. Geomorphing or something Geom- like that. Geomod, Geomod yeah, or something? Yeah, yeah, something like or that. Or Geotech or yeah. uh, something. Yeah, yeah. so I thought it would be quite a silly joke by having a room full of rocks and you just, they're all squares and you, you shoot them and um, that's your Geomod or whatever. <laughs> Tech. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Specky, Specky Art was an idea again. Because I love Specky. Um, I love my old Plus 2 normal games and that and I thought it'd be a really good way to get the thing done fast if I keep the restriction to go for specky art which is basically 8x8 sprites as a as a standard size and um, two colours and that way I should probably get the thing done rather than getting bogged down making all the art and then getting you know, running out of steam halfway through the project mm. but I thought what was extraordinary is that Although, I mean, my question, my first question is, you know, what constraints did that place upon you? And of all, you just described them. You rattled them off very quickly. It's, you know, eight by eight grid, and, mm. and, and that, there, there it is. But the difference here is that it's a D-make, but only to a point. Um, although uh, an actual 48K Spectrum probably couldn't run maybe a third, maybe even a quarter of the game mm. as it is at the moment, because there's a lot going on. There's yeah. all sorts of things happening at the same time, and it, again, it would bring a regular spectrum to its knees. Um, uh, you know, so it's 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 difficult for for us to imagine because the amount of memory and because the, there's lots there's lots of sprites and things moving around, and it's not flickering at all at all. It's mm, it's it's, yeah. it's solid, absolutely solid. Of course, it is because it's on a modern. It's running on modern hardware modern stuff. Yeah. I mean, um, so you, you can. You, we've got, we're sitting here surrounded by machines with gigabytes of memory. Gigabytes. I mean, it's we take it for granted now, but that was ludicrous ten years ago, maybe fifteen years ago. I was like, what? Yeah, yeah. I've got sixteen. Or I've got thirty-two gigabytes on my computer. Why? You know, it's, it's cr- and, why would you ever need that much? Yeah. yeah. And what are you doing with that? I don't know. It's really cheap. 
What's not the point? It is. I mean, that's the thing. Ram used to be this uh, rare commodity. Now it's just, we're you know we're swimming in it, yeah. um, and so it's all that those constraints uh, are gone away. So now you have situations where you're forcibly saying, you know, I'm not going. I can't make you know GTA Seven or something. I can't. It's just me, and, I'm, and like, so I'm going to have to constraint i'm going to bring in rein it all in i'm going to have to constrain myself yeah so that, and it, but yeah like i said before um i was i was having a problem not finishing things because mm. of it generally either you run out of steam or you run out of confidence in the project you think oh mm. it's, it's a waste of time what's the point um yeah so it's a good way to get it finished and get it done and, and then you feel a lot better you think well i've got something finished it's not the greatest mm. thing in the world but hmm, maybe i can do another thing now that's good so it's a twin stitch shooter and I'll focus this on this again. And there's mm. an aspect of the game that I find quite fascinating because I initially I thought, well, that's a bit strange. Why do that? But now I understand why. But the the, the query I've got is there's some special weapons you can pick up: a machine gun, rocket launcher, etc., etc. And they all have a limited amount of ammunition before you can you go back to your normal pistol, which has infinite ammunition, although it isn't particularly strong. My question is, how did you balance and design levels based on the ammo available to special weapons versus the game's difficulty? Um, I kind of did them later on, I think. From memory, I think the first version, which is the Game Maker one, um, which is quite different than the original one, mm. I don't think it had any weapons in it. I think everything was kind of used with your pistol and you had to use the other things around you to to uh, fix it, uh, sort of sort out certain puzzles. So, such was one was the one where you had um, turrets that would blow out certain blocks, and you can shoot them with your bullet. The, the rocket, but rockets would. So then you'd have to later on get the rockets to chase you, and then use them to blow up walls. So you're kind of using the turrets to do your dirty work, as it were. And then in later versions, when I think it was the PS Mobile version was the one that got properly souped up, and it all got, all got re- re- recoded from the Game Maker thing, all got binned, and we just redid it from scratch. And um, with a proper coder, a guy called um, William Bell, who I worked with at other companies, he was the coder for that. So then I wasn't, I wasn't poking around being a bad coder. Instead, I could just get on with the art design stuff and leave the, leave the code to an expert. So was uh, it done? Was it done re- rebuilt using like C plus plus or something? And then yeah, he, yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's a funny mixture of things because he also built he built a kind of very funky editor which is like a mini version of Game Maker hmm. um, to build the whole thing. So I can sort of fiddle around and design stuff whilst he does all the under the hood stuff the as well. Optimization and yeah, yeah the stuff I, I, don't, I don't know how that works. <laughs> it's not quite wizardry. You say you know it doesn't know it works. You probably do. But it's like oh god. <laughs> <laughs> not for me it's, it's again back to the tedium like uh, oh right semicolon at this point yes here we go <laughs> there it is there it is there's a the little wayward one there it is there look there <sighs> anyway so um, so sorry so weapons yeah so yeah the second weapons, version yeah. they kind of came in as, as puzzle elements they're, they're not they're very limited the amount of weapons because um, each each because each level is like a single screen thing and you don't take your weapons onto the next level you don't keep anything everything is its own enclosed little mini sort of puzzle shooter thing um, the weapons are there simply as a okay I've got so many weapons I mean so many blocks I might want to shoot so I'll give you say double the amount of, of rockets you might need to take them out so you've got a few to play with but not a lot because the game's more about you know because they're all very short levels 
Mm. Um, the idea was that you go and then you, you, you die and you try it again and you die and then you try it again and you work out what you need to do. So you don't really need a lot of ammo because it would break it quite easily. Mm. But you have infinite bullets. Um, but yeah. in the current version that's out, you've got crates as well that were added that have random drops. Sometimes you get bullets in them, sometimes you don't, that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. I just I just found it quite interesting that it would change the... You'd see the level in a completely different light when you had a different weapon. Mm. Weird. It's just fascinating. Like, huh. At one point, these things were a terrible threat. Now I'm going to mow them all down like a mowing thing. And it's uh, it's quite liberating. But it only lasts for so long, so you had to be careful not to be sort of overzealous. Yeah, not just fire that and be done with it. Um, my yeah, next no, question, yeah, oh, sorry, sorry, yeah. My next question is about... Um, the switches so so each level does well typically not all of them but a lot of them have little switches that open up new areas mm. how uh, this feels like to me that like there's a an original design concept that's been around the game for some time is that right i mean how do you design these um to make them challenging? i think i think again the thing being a demake i was just trying to make it as sort of simple and and familiar as possible. So, a lot of it starts off with the keys, and keys open doors. So you had four different key colours, and there are four different types of block on the blocks, coloured blocks. And if you hit the blue key, then every single blue block will will disintegrate, and that way you unlock things. Mm. And that's that's the main kind of key stuff that goes on. But later on, you have some toggle switches where a door will, or all the to- all the switches will toggle. So what was down will come up, and what was up will go down, and you'll mm. you'll flip things backwards and forwards. Um, but it's all pretty simple. There's even a joke in Rockwatchers at one point about the fact that, oh gosh, we're running around getting keys. It's so boring because it's, it's a you know the Doom thing of like oh, I go over here, I go, got the blue key card, great. Yeah. Go to the blue door. Da, 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 I've now da, da. fought off this massive demon from hell, and I've got little red yellow key. Woo! <laughs> 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 it's just like this big key sort of flashing on. I say big. It's just this flashing thing on the pedestal. So what's the yeah. pedestal? Why is it there? Why isn't the demon going, no, you can't have this? You could have eaten it and it'd be all over. Yeah. But we don't know, no, you can't have this now. Instead, it's just a stupid spite that you shot rockets at. If you had any. Yeah. (laughs) Or BFG if you really go. (laughs) So, no, I just found it fascinating because it felt felt a little bit like Gauntlet. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd open doors up with keys and stuff, and then death would chase after you, and then you had to hit the potion button yet again. Yeah, <laughs> but it's it's that's what it felt like to me. It felt yeah, like I mean, little, Gauntlet's little, much cooler, I think, because Gauntlet you can you know can scroll around everywhere. With rock washers at the time when I when I first did the first one, I, mm. I didn't know how to get the thing to scroll. I was, ah, I was, I, right. That's why I dealt with single rooms. It was very much right. kind of what am I able to do um, on my by myself. And then when I did the remake version, sort of the the boofed up version, we just kept it as it was because it was kind of like it is, it is what it is. Yeah. Um, I think it uh, it works quite well in that in that sense, and it's just this this static sort of like yeah, it's the next screen. Go on, you know, it's, it's a bit like binding of Isaac that way, you know. Go on, yeah, it kind of fits the nostalgia too because it is kind of yeah. well, it's not exactly what Specky would do, but it's that the idea of trying no. to to lean towards what you think a Specky might be able to do. But I would point out a bit of a thing because everyone mm-hmm. says the Spectrum can't scroll, right? And that's the thing; it's true because it hasn't got any hardware scroll, but you could actually do it. Mm. And there were some people who did it quite successfully. Um, for a, if you play the special version of Iridium, for example. I know heretical, the Iridium on the C64 is amazing. And yes, it is. But it's a really good, you know, punted it on the Spectrum as well. And there's also Green Beret, which is not the greatest game in the world, but actually on the Spectrum, it's actually quite good. 
Yeah. And it scrolls really very well. Well, R-Type was fantastic, scrolling. Yes. Becky and um, Rainbow Islands going upwards. Yep. Yep. Pretty good. New Zealand story was pretty good, I think. For yeah, and they did it. Yeah, I think they had to plot out each pixel as it went along, <laughs> as far as I understand it. And they right. used some wizardry, well, not quite wizardry, but you know what I mean. Yeah, some that. some t- trickery, yeah. trickery to actually sim- to get the spectrum to do things it wasn't designed to do. <laughs> and uh, and um, but uh, it could be done. And you know, so. Why you say yes? Most Spectrum games were static screens. You're right. If you think about all the uh, rare games, very few of their games were actually had in scrolling in them. Mm. Or ultimate, as we as we knew. Yeah, like, ahead of the heels, and uh, even stuff like Draconis was all. Remember that was a funny old run. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking sort of Jetpack. They were one of the earliest oh, ones, yeah. and Attic Attack, and that's just like you know, screen after screen after screen, right? Yeah, it doesn't detract from its entertainment value. And you know, I, 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 what's what I find fascinating is the difference between uh, those games and the, you've got modern design sensibilities in rock bosses. That's why it's so so much fun because you've a lot of design game design advancements have occurred over the last thirty odd years. Of course, there has been. You know, our, our sensibilities, our understanding of player empathy, the concept of empathising with the player, knowing that, you know, the actual per- person making the game is the worst person to assess its, um, mm. assess its, you know, its yeah. ability, to, its approachability. You obviously went out and tested it somehow, didn't you? You uh, had to. No, I just tested oh, it myself. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> um, I, 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 I sort of got into a knack of trying to, because I, I do have a bad habit of making things far too hard. Mm. Um, so I tried to play it and um, sort of put a test on myself where I kind of squint my mm. eyes a bit and try and give myself a delay when I'm moving right. around. And I, I play as if I'm not quite fully with it. Okay. Um, to then say, well, if I'm still, if I can make it through, then that's kind of okay. Um, but no, no, I've never thought to really test on anybody because um, it's such a quick little thing yeah I never really expected to ever get I never thought to get on PlayStation I never really thought to get a physical release either that's quite I, I think it's fascinating <laughs> there's a lovely sort of achievement in there that I'm going to give away but mm. the, when you start it up mm. you just sit there wait for it to load <laughs> you don't have to but you can just sit there wait for it to load in inverted commas yeah yeah and, yeah uh, you just get an achievement for yeah well done Look, you sat through it to it's like two minutes or something <laughs> there you go I think it's about that yeah yeah it's like there you go nice one cheers mate it's lovely it's a lovely little nod to what we used to put up with <laughs> so yeah when it well actually yeah. Spectrum's pretty reliable it was the C64 and stuff that wasn't so, wasn't so great I found mm. so finally last question I know all good things must come to an end, but um, there are some mini games, isn't there? Yeah, Watch they got it. added in when we did the um, PS4 and PS Vita version, which also is on PC as well. Right. Well, basically, it's called the, the Director's Cut. That was the ah. one we put in some extra mini games. So, can you tell us, talk us through those? Yes. How they came uh, about? There's, there's Chief Chase. Um, there's an Aqua Kitty mini level. There's um, the Ghost Pyramid on Mars, and I think it's Bosheroids or. Oh, I can't remember the name of it anymore, but it's like a space scrolling um randomized shooter thing. So they're like tributes to games you know and all this I don't mean the aqua kitty, yeah. Some aren't. Like the first one, cheese yeah, I suppose cheese chase is a it's you chasing this giant cheese and you've got to shoot this giant wedge of cheddar and mm-hmm. if you shoot it it drops gems. 
Um, and that's it a bit like combat in a way because it's got bouncy walls where you shoot um, your, your bullets I think your rockets and everything bounce off certain sections of the walls and um, oh, okay. it's, it's very much like a combat sort of maze but you've got conveyor right. belts and things spawning out the spawn points and weapons mm. to pick up and stuff um, and yeah there's also a lefty righty shooter isn't there I seem to remember um, yeah so the, the, um, the last one's a left to right like R-type it's very R-typey Mm. Uh, but it's done with um, randomised blocks, so you've got sort of sections of map that randomly gets chosen. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a never-ending thing; it has no end. But it has a big giant sort of green boss type thing that you can't really kill in it. Um, but it's a it's a survival kind of shooter. Oh, okay. Yeah. Certain, a certain amount of randomness going I just on. Think it's, it's a lovely addition to the the, the core of. Uh, the rest of rock washers is like yeah, this, this, this. and they all look the same graphical style. They all look the yeah. demade sort of. They got that same uh, um, pseudo, no offense, but pseudo sort of color clash, anti color clash sort of yeah, it's, it's layout. Which same, you know, um, it's always in the same it's the basic specy rules of the colors it used. And, yeah. Um, yeah. But I didn't. I'm not. Didn't hear exactly the brightness. Like you're meant to use the same sort of bright, half bright and bright colors in yeah. a certain. But we didn't stick to that. We cheated a bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's then, uh, it's it is fascinating to see that because you know uh, this is some of the best um, load because there's been a movement recently where people are making lo- new loading screens for old Spectrum games. Mm, I've seen those; some of them look yeah, fantastic. They yeah. do. If only someone had actually put an artist because the Spectrum could do it. They just said, "Yeah, let's just let's just put this up." <laughs> it's like, the time as well. And back then, I've, I remember um, people just saying they had you know like a month or two to make a game or less. Yeah. yeah. And, in that case, who would have time to make that? You have to have to knock it out. And yeah, there you go. Mm. Um, but um, no, it's just lovely to see those those little dippling dippling effects where you get those sort of like you know to, to create a shade rather mm. than you know changing what you normally do. You'd actually no, you just put a dipple effect. Is that the right word? It's just a little. Um, little I don't know. Dipple is the right yeah. word. It might be. Yeah. I just don't know. Um, yeah, because in the old version of Rockwash, the old Game Maker one, we actually. Um, I say we, it's me. I put in in that one um, a kind of uh, uh, Asteroids minigame. As a right. Separate. That was quite fun to do because that was me, again, tinkering around with Game Maker thinking, what can I do now? Mm. Uh, but that didn't make it into the um, the new ones because it's kind of a, yeah, it's kind of a, its own thing Yeah. for that. You know, whenever I see an Asteroid machine and I can play it and it's not like pay, I typically will. Because it's just asteroids. It just works. Mm. It's a great game. I'm terrible at it, even to this day. I mean, sometimes I get like a flushed run, but typically it's like, oh, come on, where did that come from? It's not fair. Why is it going? Oh, oh never mind. But, um, yeah, asteroids. There's something about that game. That, yeah, and Robo- that and Robotron. They're the two games that I, if I'm in an arcade sort of thing, mm, um, yeah. or in a, in a, a show or something, you know, they've got a. If I go to PAX and they have like a retro area, and typically I have an asteroid machine there, and just to get away from the show hall, just for a little while, I get involved. I get uh, enveloped in a game from 1978. <laughs> nice. That's what it reminds me. I need to at some point. I've been desperately wanting to go up to the arcade club UK up near Manchester. They've got oh, you've, I've, I've been there. Have you? <sighs> it's just. It looks oh my goodness! I was. We were sitting there. Four, you know, people from Retro Asylum, and we were sitting there, and uh, we were, we were having a drink, we were having a chat, and then someone looked down and went, looked down at the table we're sitting at, like, wait, is this, is this Warlords? <laughs> and we were having sitting at a table with a Warlords, a, a, a cocktail cabinet of Warlords. <laughs> it's like, 
oh my god <laughs> and we immediately you know we put our drinks down and immediately started playing warlords against each other i did terribly because i'm terrible mm-hmm. at warlords but it's uh it's a fantastic uh, the, you do yeah and they're, they're all working all, yeah all the machines only, are working. so far i've just seen a, a couple of videos on youtube of someone walking around and it's just spotting everything there's like wow that is it's, phenomenal there's two floors of it god two floors I couldn't believe it. it is just, you just get completely lost in it. And yeah, yeah, wonderful, wonderful experience. But um, well, there we are, Dugan. It's, uh, it's the end. We, oh. We've reached the end. I know. I know. Very sad. It's fantastic talking to you about your history and, and, and your design of rock bosses. And it's been really, really great having you on the show. I hope you enjoyed well, it. Thanks for having me. That's been very nice. Yeah. And um, you're all welcome to come back on to chat about any future endeavours. You have. Brilliant. Uh, no doubt it would be something new on Horizon very soon. Yes. But in the meantime, yeah. um, best of luck with your future endeavours. And you can get Rob Bosch's on what platforms at the moment? You can currently get it on um, PS4, Vita, uh, Steam. I think that is it. Yes. Um, I particularly like it on the Vita, actually. It uh, really suits that screen, that size. It's very, very good. Um, it seems to, it's a great sort of... Uh, game to play on the while whilst, whilst traveling um but yeah best uh, again it's been, it's been fantastic having you on and uh yeah wish you the best of luck in your future endeavors cool thank you and so ends another episode of the sausage factory do leave us an itunes review and you can also don't forget listen to us on stitcher.com so just go to stitcher.com and you can stream the show from there you just look up the sausage factory and you can find us that'd be great you can follow me on twitter at chris o'regan no apostrophes and uh, if you want to email me any feedback on the show or actually you're a developer you listen to this show and want your game featured on it please do email me at chris at spong.com also don't forget to check out the computer game show which is the stablemate podcast should we say of spong.com bye